DiscerningHearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study presents Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon Doran, along with her husband Steve, are founders of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, whose mission is to actively seek truth and raise up disciples for our Lord Jesus Christ through an in-depth Catholic Bible study. Sharon, who holds two master's degrees in education and in pastoral theology with an emphasis in sacred scripture, is an experienced Bible study teacher for over a decade. She has a passion for scripture that motivates and challenges her students to immerse themselves in God's word and apply his message to their everyday lives. The Catholic Catechism tells us at paragraph 440 that Jesus accepted Peter's profession of faith, which acknowledged him to be the Messiah, by announcing the imminent passion of the Son of Man. He unveiled the authentic content of his messianic kingship, both in transcendent identity of the Son of Man who came down from heaven, and in his redemptive mission as the suffering servant. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. Hence the true meaning of his kingship is revealed only when he is raised high on the cross. Only after his resurrection will Peter be able to proclaim Jesus' messianic kingship to the people of God. Let all the house of Israel therefore know assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now let's join Sharon Dorn in the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study Series for Part 2 of Peter's Profession of Faith. Right before this had been the multiplications of the law, great miracle, one of only two miracles recorded in all four Gospels. And after the great feeding, Jesus was explaining more to them about this. And he said, you have to eat my flesh unless you eat my... And they, they were like, that's crazy. He's telling us to eat him. We can't do that. Many of them walked away that day. And he said, for this reason, I have told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted by the Father. The Father reveals to us who Jesus is. He did to Peter. Peter, flesh and blood didn't tell you that, but my Father told you that. The Father draws us. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. The Father gives us the gift of faith. Simon Peter says, Lord, who can we go? You have the words of everlasting life. We're not going to leave you. We're not going to walk away. We don't get it, but, but okay. You have the words of everlasting life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus says, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, Cephas, right off the bat in John's gospel, he says, your name's not Simon, I'm calling you Cephas, I'm calling you Peter. That wasn't a common name. No one was named Peter at that time. Okay, that means rock. Most people don't name their little baby infant rock. You know? You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. So they are up in this region of Caesarea Philippi. This is really important. Here's where geography really matters. In this region, north of the Decapolis, north of the Ten Cities, we see a town. Uh, we know Herod the Great was a Jewish Roman client king of Israel, a puppet king who subdued the Iturian, uh, Iturians. 
And as a result, Augustus Caesar gives him the northern Golan Heights area and this town, Panius. He gives it to Herod the Great. Now Josephus writes that when Caesar had further bestowed on him an additional country, he built a temple there of white marble, and the place is called Panium. It's called that because they worship the god little g, Pan, there, the god Pan. When Herod dies, the boy split up the land. Philip, his son, gets this region. So it's called Caesarea Philippi after Caesar and Philip to distinguish it from Caesarea Maritima, which is a port city. Philip has a coin minted with this temple to Pan and Tiberius on it, dated 31 AD. Now, this region of Caesarea Philippi is important because of the location and the geography. It's a very rocky, rocky place, beautiful but rocky. And the Jordan River originates here. This is the headwaters of the Jordan River the river of baptism, the river of life. But see that dark hole there? They used to call that the gates of Hades. Herod was certainly interested in maintaining good relationship with Tiberius, who was emperor at the time, and the reason that, that he named himself after this city. The city is dedicated to many Greek and Roman gods, especially Pan, okay? And the gates of Hades are there. Who's Hades? Hades is the brother of Zeus. After the overthrow of their father, Cronus, he drew lots with Zeus and Poseidon, another brother, for shares of the world, the pick straws. Which share of the world do you get? He drew the worst straw. He was made lord of the underworld, ruling over the dead. Hmm, okay. And he is a greedy god who is greatly concerned with increasing his subjects. He wants more and more and more and more and more people with him in Hades. And he doesn't like to give away any of his subjects to anyone. Once they're his, they're his. That's Hades. So we're at this rock of Caesarea Philippi at the gate of Hades with all the god temples around. The cave of Pan is here. This other little grotto is the cave, the temple of Pan. They used to throw animal sacrifices into the gates of Hades, burn them, burn offerings to the gods, the little gods. All these were temples carved in the rock. At the time of Jesus, when he and the apostles were there, these would have been there. Interesting setting for this, isn't it? The Greek god Pan is a mythical half-man, half-goat who played the Pan pipe. And then when the Romans took over, they adopted him and made him their god of shepherds and flocks. Okay. <laughs> so we're in Caesarea Philippi little god Pan, and now big god man is standing there named Jesus. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Standing at the gates of Hades with a solid sheet of rock, with living water flowing out of the rock at the headwaters of the Jordan River, in John's Gospel, he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. And here they are. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon. Put yourself in this setting. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. You are Cephas. You are rock. And on this rock. I will build my church and the gates of Hades 
The gates of the netherworld, the gates of death, the gates of sin will not ever prevail against it because I'm going to conquer sin and death. I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to crush the head of Satan. I'm going to conquer sin and death. And the gates of Hades will have no power over my rock and my church that I'm building on you and you brethren, the apostles. Get it? It's a pretty powerful scene when you go to the Holy Land and you stand there and you read the scripture. The temple for Pan, I told you, was with the Romans a shepherd. He was considered the God, the little God of shepherds. Jesus, the one true shepherd, is standing there where Pan, the God of shepherds, has a temple. And Jesus said in John's gospel, very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in another way as a thief and a bandit. He's going to open the gate to the Father, the gate to heaven. The gate of Hades has no power over this. He's conquered it. He will conquer it. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. My sheep know my voice, and I know them. Israel was a nation of shepherds. Abel was a shepherd, Abraham was a shepherd, Isaac was a shepherd, Jacob was a shepherd, Moses was a shepherd, David was a shepherd, Amos was a shepherd, on and on. Peter's a fisherman. I'm a fisherman. I'm not a shepherd. I do, I do fish. But he's reinstated in John 21 as a shepherd when Jesus says, Simon, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know I feed my lambs. Jesus says, do you love me? And he says, Jesus, I love you. Yes, I love you, Lord. I love you. I'm sorry I denied you, but I love you. I love you now. Tend my sheep. And he asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, son of John again, do you love me? Simon again, his old name. He sinned against the Lord. This is reinstatement. This is forgiveness time. Peter felt hurt because he said a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus will trust Peter, a sinful human man. He will trust a fisherman made into a shepherd, and he will trust him with his church, with his bride that he gave his life for. And he's going to trust it to him, this sinful human reinstated man, fisherman to shepherd. I can't believe God places much trust in us, in humans. It's amazing. Trust is a two-way relationship. It has to go both ways. Love is a two-way street, and Jesus is a person. This is a relationship. Jesus, I trust you. I trust you. And he trusts us. He trusts humanity. How? One way is he trusted Mary, a creature, to bear God of the universe. He would take her flesh and take on human flesh. And then he would drink her milk. God of the universe has to drink Mary's milk or he'll die. I was meditating on this this weekend. God of the universe has to have Mary's milk or he will die. Many artists, here's a Michelangelo sculpture, Mary breastfeeding Jesus. She gave him life. 
when they're on that road to Egypt. Think how thirsty she must have been. Any nursing mothers, you know how thirsty you are. This is a desert. They're traveling on a donkey. My sister's nursing right now. She has mastitis. If you don't drink enough water when you're nursing, you might get a plugged duck. She can't nurse. She's in pain. God trusts Mary to feed God of the universe. Can you believe this? Blows my mind. He trusts Joseph to protect this holy family against marauders, robbers, anything. I trust you, Joseph. I trust you, Joseph. I'm a sinful man. I trust you, Joseph. My grace is sufficient for you. Jesus is trusting a sinful, redeemed man like Peter and his apostles to lead and guide his church, the bride that he died for. I trust you, Peter. I know you've messed up. Not once, not twice, but who's counting? I mean, many times. <laughs> but my grace is sufficient for you. I've redeemed you. I've conquered death. I love you. I trust you, Peter. Amazing. God is trusting us. How? How is he trusting us? He's trusting us to bear him to the world. If we don't, who's going to do it? He's ascended. He's gone. But he sent his Holy Spirit and showered us with gifts, and he trusts us to be his representatives here on earth. You might be the only voice of Christ someone hears today. Yours might be the only hands of Christ that touch someone today. Yours might be the only feet of Christ that bring the good news to someone today. He trusts us. If we don't do it, who will? He trusts us to tell others the good news. God trusts sinful, human, redeemed people like us. Wow. God writes straight with crooked lines. Thank God. We're crooked lines, but God can write straight with us with his grace and the gifts of his Holy Spirit living within us by the virtue of our baptism and the seal of redemption. You were bought at a price. It was costly. Our salvation cost him something. It cost him his life. Every ounce of blood he had dripped out for us. Tell someone about it. God trusts humanity with his church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The church will have dominion over the powers of darkness, over the powers of hell, over the powers of Satan, over the dominions of Satan. The church has the right of exorcism. Jesus Christ in his victory is more powerful than Satan every time. The church has the sacrament of reconciliation. Whatever you held bound is held bound. Whatever you loose is forgiven. John 20, 20. I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The keys to the kingdom of heaven. We saw the foreshadowing in Isaiah 22 when the caretaker, the, the master of the house is leaving. He gives the keys to Eliakim. Eliakim has the authority in his hand, the keys. And he says, I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and no one shall shut. He shall shut and no one shall open. What he binds is bound. What he looses is loosed. I will fasten him like a peg in a secure place and he will become a throne of honor 
to his ancestral house. Jesus gave Peter the keys. Jesus had the authority. He gave the authority to Peter. And then he sternly ordered the apostles, or the disciples, don't tell anyone, but don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone <laughs> that he was Messiah because not yet. It's not time yet. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. They weren't listening to that third day be raised part because Peter took him aside and began, and, and began to rebuke him, began to rebuke the Lord God Almighty. He says, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. No, 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 no. We will not let this happen to you. I'm the rock and it's not going to happen to you. And what did Jesus say? He turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me, you Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. He's just made of the rock. And now, just a few lines later, he's a stumbling block because he wants to thwart God's plan because he doesn't understand that Jesus has to go through these things because this is the plan. Shh, don't tell anyone. We don't want Satan to know that this is all over, said and done, sealed, signed, delivered. I'm yours. <laughs> you are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Peter, you don't understand. Not yet. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Take up a cross? What? We don't like crosses. We run from crosses. Crosses are scary. Some of you have crosses in your life right now. They're not a lot of fun. And he says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forefoot their life. You can gain the whole world but lose your soul in the process. What good does it do you for the eternal life, the eschaton, the next life, the eternal life? This is nothing. Live ready. What will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, he says, there are some of you standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Some of you guys, most of you guys, are going to see this with your own eyes. Hang on. Persevere. Be strong. Be of good courage. Follow me. Pick up your cross. We can do it. Because the payoff is going to be eternal life with the Father. And the payoff on earth is going to be the church on earth. A little taste of heaven on the altar at mass. You're going to get a little taste of the heavenly banquet, a little crumb. Every time you go, the bread of life. And if you eat my flesh and if you drink my blood, you will have eternal life. So stay with me. So we must all answer the same question. Who do you say he is? Who do you say I am? Jesus is what? My bridegroom? 
my lover, my soul, my savior, my Lord, my master. Or he's okay, whatever. He's a philosophy. He works for some people. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's Jesus, son of man, son of God. Who do you say I am? It is believed from the earliest times that St. Peter was crucified in the Hippodrome, which stood on Vatican Hill beneath the towering Caligula obelisk, brought by the Emperor Caligula from the Hierapolis in Egypt. Peter's body was buried nearby. In 1586, the obelisk, by then was already crowned with a cross, was moved a short distance to St. Peter's Square, where it stands today. In a non-canonical 3rd century book called The Acts of Peter, we are told that when the Neronian persecution began, Peter was leaving the city of Rome. Rather than face crucifixion with other Christians in the Hippodrome at that time, and as he fled along the Appian Way, Peter encountered the risen Christ on the road walking toward the city. Quivatis Domine, Peter asked, where are you going, Lord? And in this account, Jesus replied to St. Peter, to Rome, to be crucified again. Peter, who did not stay with Christ during his first crucifixion, remembered his later humiliation and he reconsidered. Peter turned around and went back into the city of Rome, where at his own request, he was crucified upside down, feeling himself unworthy of being crucified in the same way as his master, Jesus Christ. We know that at the end of St. John's Gospel, Jesus spoke of Peter's predicted death in John chapter 21. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, Peter, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you to where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. After this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Friends, he wants us all to follow him. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? Stay in his word. Keep seeking truth. The answers are there, and he is who he says he is. If you seek truth, you will find him. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Until next time, then. Keep seeking truth. You've been listening to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. To learn how you can become a participant, either online or in a classroom setting of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, go to seekingtruth.net. This has been a production of DiscerningHearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. Join us next time for Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.